Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back to another serving of Sparks and Recreation, the 10th episode. Can you believe it? I can't. Here I am. There you are. I am your co-host for today, Matthew Jigmalingpo Rooks, joined as always by the seasoned shield bearer to my redeemed Runos. Agent C13, Tim McKenzie. How are you doing today, amigo? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I have been working on a lot of stuff, so busy. That's but... an understatement. <laughs> a lot of stuff. But uh, it's going pretty good, and uh, I'm here to record an episode. I'm ready to have some fun. Here we are for the 10th time. And you know what? I had to bring Woo! back the old, it's the 10th episode. Let's celebrate. You know, let's Let's let it all hang out. Uh, I'm sure uh, Sam would say something inappropriate there, but we'll just leave that for the, the <laughs> something about a whiz off. <laughs> something about a whiz off. Um, here we are again, and you know Tim mentioned uh, being very busy. He is. He's working on uh, not only Hero Helper, which you've all learned about, but he's also uh, helping prepare for the Tavern Brawl. Uh, he did made the whole scoreboard for it, basically. And I don't know. We 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 could talk a little bit about that in the community roundup i think but um he's also doing the uh thandar combat league which mm-hmm. is uh taking you know signups right now basically which is going to be a huge endeavor we'll also talk about that for sure a little bit more in depth we can do that in the community roundup i think i just want to say tim you spend probably more time and effort than anyone i know for the hero realms community and thanks from the bottom oh. of my heart buddy well, I really you. appreciate it. You do a lot of work. You know, I, would... I, I, not to, not to say I don't uh, spend time, but it's mostly you know jerking around on the Discord uh, chats. So you know, <laughs> I, I do, I do a lot of that, that too. But you know, I wouldn't do it if I, <laughs> I wouldn't do any of it if I didn't enjoy it. So, but it is nice to hear a thank you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, much appreciated, my friend. All right, big thanks to our Patreons. You guys are heroes, helping heroes. Uh, Logan Stewart, Chris. Double D Wahlberg, Daily23, and Noodle Tupe. You guys, uh, your support means a lot to us, and we appreciate your patronage. Well, guys, you know, let's sit back, uh, achieve our cruising altitude of about 30,000 memes per hour, and uh, in- enjoy the enjoy the 10th uh, episode here. We've got uh, a bunch of fun stuff coming up. Uh, we've got, of course, What Would You Do? Everyone's favorite segment. Uh, after that, we're going to talk about our main topic, which this week is going to delve into the idea of playing with principle, quote unquote, uh, which basically means like, what are some general strategies or rules to adhere to and also when not to adhere to for uh, each <laughs> class? All right. So it'll be like uh, things to keep in mind when you're playing uh, certain builds or certain characters. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll go over each of the different um, classes and talk about you know some of the things that we think are uh, good kind of rules of thumb, if you will. And we'll even t- talk about how to define that as well. But that'll be kind of the uh, main focus for the episode. Um, 
we'll see how that goes. After that, uh, we have Tim's favorite segment, which is card talk. And uh, sure. this is this is actually you know Tim's um, Tim's uh, love child, I guess you could say, from back from uh, he used to do this on his uh, stream, but he uh, you know very kindly kind of uh, cannibalized it and we transferred it over to the to the podcast for content. So it's a great way to talk about cards. Tim, tell us what we'll be talking about this episode and card we, talk. We are talking about the bombs. Ranking the bombs. Ranking Dropping the bombs, bombs, y'all. Dropping some bombs. And again, uh, insert your own imaginative uh, Scrap Force comments. After <laughs> that. Um, the final uh, kind of strategy talk set segment we'll do will be Killer Combos. All right. And we're going to talk about, well, what kind of combos are we going to talk about, Tim? Generally speaking. Um, killer combos. Um, uh, Class-specific ones. Yep. So, like, what combos work for each class? And we'll kind of go over those really quickly. So that should be a fun talk. Then, of course, we'll hit the community roundup and just kind of give uh, an overview of stuff that's happening. And there is a lot happening already. There's stuff that's... Ooh literally about to start tavern brawl being one of them by the time you hear predator. this actually the yeah predator is actually starting today or uh, as we record this uh today july 14th japanese standard time uh you guys do the from math. the future um well actually by the time they hear this it'll be in the past so uh, future anyways future. guys yeah future past and present it's all here for everyone, a little bit for everybody. And episode 10 of Sparks and Rack. Sit back and enjoy the ride, everybody. What would you say you do here? And here we are. Yes, once again. What would you do? The... Fan favorite segment where we basically paint a picture of a um, decision point in a particular game. We post a screenshot of this, both in the show notes, which you can uh, find a link to in the if you're listening uh, via podcast, which gives you access to those show notes. Or you can uh, find it in the Discord channel as well. All right? Or you can always find it through the Realms Rising podcast link as well. Uh, anyways, it gives you a visualization of what we're talking about. Usually we're talking about what cards to purchase, although there's other types of decisions that could be made as well. Um, Tim, why don't you do everybody uh, the kindness of describing the scene for episode 10 of What Would You Do? So this is a fighter versus cleric. Uh, the cleric's level 5 and the fighter is level 7, it looks like. We're on turn 8. The cleric has List the Unseen in their discard and a Fire Gem in their discard. And then in their draw deck, they have Command and a Fire Gem. So that's all the stuff that they have. I can see you have a Fire Gem, Intimidation, and Recruit. And you've played your cards, your Shield Bearer's out. And you have played the Recruit, you've played a Ruby, and you played two Golds. You have six Gold in play. You haven't used a skill or ability or anything. 
in the row is Life Drain, Arcus, Varric, Word of Power, and Death Touch. So that's what's in the row. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? And we have six gold to spend it on here. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll go first this week yeah, because you just painted just a you know a very descriptive uh, narration of what this situation is like. <laughs> um, now, this is kind of an interesting one because usually when you see life drain available, uh, it's almost always the right choice to take if you if you can take it there's a few situations and a few cards that are better but life drain life drain is probably one of the best cards in the game especially early game i think um now the reason that i think this is kind of an interesting decision point is you can make a case for going varic and death touch or, or i'm going death touch first seeing what flips over and if there's nothing else available going varic and the reason is, <clears throat> A, to keep Varric away from the um, Cleric, and also to keep the Death Touch away from the Cleric. The Cleric does have a pretty good chance of um, getting to six, so they might get the Life Drain anyway. Um, I don't know. If this was me, I would probably go Life Drain. Um, but I would think about it for a second. And I would consider Death Touch Barrack. Basically, I'd rather the Cleric get Death Touch and Barrack than the Life Drain. Probably. I don't know. It's a tough one, though. But that's probably what I would do. Tim, what would you do in this situation? So, um, I would not go Varric and Death Touch. Uh, like, I'd, I'd think about it for, like, half a second, and I'd be like, well, I don't want them getting Life Drain or Word of Power way more than I don't want them to get Death Touch. Varric, yeah, but right now all they have is lists that's red in that deck. Um, So I wouldn't be, like, super worried, and, and that's the only champion they have as well. So I'd it's be much... It's a great target for lists, though. It is. Um, or for uh, Varric and Liz are a great combo. It is, very much so. But you have to combo, you know, you have to get them to be able to do that. And there's no other red cards in their deck. So I wouldn't be super worried about Varric at this point. I'd be more worried about Life Drain, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, me too. That's, the, the it's other a thing, poison thing, isn't it? The other thing is they have Command. Getting that Word of Power and all of that mm. is... I mean, not only can they already outheal you, getting both of those Imperials is going to just put the game away for them. And looking at their draw pile, worst case scenario, they're going to get five gold. And more than likely, they're going to get six or seven. Possibly could even get Arcus with eight gold on their next turn, uh, depending on how stuff works out. So yep. uh you can't just like buy something big knowing they're not going to get it. They're they're going to have some economy coming. So, but I think you go life drain. Um, you have them go at life forty-one. Drain and try to rush them. You have them at forty-one. Yeah, right. It it is a low enough level still that you're gonna your damage is going to outpace their healing probably. Uh, they do have command. If they got word of power too, that you could be in trouble. I'd be more worried about that than I would be about the. Uh, 
Necros cards, honestly, probably. And so I think yeah. Life Drain, thinning your deck down, and eight damage, that's just going to help you demolish To me, that's them. the big thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd, I'd much rather get that and keep them from Life Drain than to keep them from the other stuff. I think I remember yeah. when you showed me this to me initially, I go, why would you pick anything but Life Drain here? Um, yeah. And, and that's a little bit of a facetious comment, but like... There, there, there's other options, but like, like you said, thinking about Varric and Death Touch, I thought about it. I'd be more worried about Word of Power in the mid levels than Varric uh, and Death Touch. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, life they already have most, lists, so they're yeah, yeah, they're already gonna scrap anyway. Um, you're right; they might even just go for Word of Power if you take the Life Drain. You know, yeah. they might not even. Who, who knows? Or, but, or they could end up with uh, eight yeah. gold and get Arcus, and then. <laughs> you're in trouble anyway yeah although i if it was me i would go for death touch and varic without thinking about it if i was the cleric on that next turn uh now the other thing and i i know you mentioned this in the description but the fighter's level seven here and the cleric is level five so there's a little usually it's a kind of a rough um matchup for the fighter although in the mid levels it's it's not as bad argue, at the mid levels like i would say bad. up till yeah. about level seven it's not horrible for the fighter. At, at about that point, it gets really tough once they can upgrade their bless all the way, and it's not all the yeah. way upgraded here. So, their bless and their res, their yeah. resurrect as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, th that's our opinions. Really quickly, let's jump into the um, Discord comments because we post this WWD a few days before we record, and we get everybody's comments on it. So let's go through those really quick. Uh, first comment was from Game Freak seven hundred one. He said. First thought is to go with Life Drain, but ooh, Varric and Death Touch? No, I'll go with Life Drain. So he kind of <laughs> went through the same thought process that we did. Uh, Glitterfart said she would also definitely go with Life Drain. Um, further on, we have uh, Frank who chimed in, and he said, I'd buy cheap cards and fire gems until Rampage shows up. He was uh, kind of joking because Rampage was not in this WWD. Uh, but later on, he did say that uh, Varric and Death Touch would be his choice. All right? It keeps Varric and Scrap away from the Cleric, uh, who has a chance of getting eight gold for Arcus. He's right. So if he got uh, Varric, Death Touch to keep um, uh, Scrapping down, and Arcus on top of that, that's pretty nasty. Uh, so, you know, that's an interesting point from him. Um, who else we got here? Uh, Vegna Prime chimed in and said... As much as I like Life Drain and Word of Power, I would go with Varric and Death Touch. Okay, He says the same reasons. He doesn't want the Cleric to get him. Uh, and placing three Necros cards within their deck. Yeah, because that's Varric, Lys, and Death Touch. And those are going to scrap down really quick. Uh, yeah, good point. Daly says he would do Death Touch and then Fire Gem if nothing flipped and then Shoulder Crush. Hmm. And I said, why would you do a Fire Gem? over Varric. And he said, well, I know he can be good, but it feels like a fighter deck. He's slowing it down, and if there are no other champs, he's just sitting there, and I'd rather my deck work quicker than hate draft. So Daly's saying, screw it, I'm going aggro. I'm not even going to take any of those guys. I'm going to use my ability to do some damage and just try to rush this guy. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, very interesting uh, perspectives. Uh, Master Chalky chimed in, and he said uh, relatively, relatively low level, he would take Life Train, Scrap Force chimes in and says, uh, your chances are pretty slim anyways, but the le this mid-level helps. 
I would go with Varric and, and uh, the Death Touch to get as much gold, as many champs as you can, and then hopefully try to squeak out a win. Goober says he would do the same thing. All right. Well, we had lots of good feedback on the Discord channel. Thanks, everybody, for your comments. Keep an eye out for the next edition. And also, if you have a uh, submission, like if, you, if you're playing the game, you're like, oh, wow, this would be a great, uh, what would you do? Take a uh, screenshot of it. You can do that whether you're on your phone or uh, iPad or desktop or whatever. Uh, also, try to snapshot your draw and discard deck and also that of your opponent as well. And if you can uh, send us those pictures, we will use it in a future What Would You Do? So user submissions are welcome. This week's What Would You Do? was submitted by Borafil. Thanks a lot for the submission. Let's get ready to rumble! Here we are, episode 10, main topic, playing with principle. That is the, uh, not only the uh, title of this main focus here, but we're going to go ahead and just name the episode playing with principle, unless you can think of something better, Tim. Maybe. Maybe. I kind of like it, playing with principle. <laughs> it's, so, it's so vague and meaningless, yet also kind of intriguing that it's a, a perfect A little bit kind of... of uh consonants going on there yeah there you go all right so what's the idea that we have for with playing with principle okay and i'll give kind of how i'm going to frame our subsequent uh definitions of this and then tim you chime in and talk about your perspective too um okay when i think of playing with principle i think of it i mentioned earlier like a rule of thumb and a rule of thumb is something like it's generally a good idea to follow but of course there are uh, exceptions to be made to, to that rule. And I think that's kind of what I mean mm -hmm. by playing with principle. Uh, but there's kind of a further layer to it in that if you do stick with this principle, you're going to have better results in the long run, right? It, it, you're kind of playing the odds or you're, you're playing to the strengths of your character in the long run. And if you do it long enough, odds are in your favor that, you know, things will be better than if you didn't do it this way. All right. Now, it, a lot of things depend on what, builds you make what upgrades you choose etc cetera, etc cetera. uh and that will change from build to build but these are just kind of some general uh principles or rules of thumb or however you want to uh, uh define them uh that will go over for each for each class all right that's kind of how i'm thinking of it tim how, how are you going to go about this so um when you were talking to me about it and we discussed the episode topic I was like, what the heck do you mean? And so when you kind of described it, I was like, oh, okay. So you're talking about like, kind of like the, the basic strategies for each class, what you kind of want to do. And some of that is also like in the matchups between the classes. So I'm, I'm going to play it a little different depending on who, what class I'm playing as against as well. But, but that's kind of, you know, those general strategies that you're going to go with that, like you said, most of the time are going to, uh, once you learn what those strategies are that work well against certain classes, um, that's what you want to try to use. Otherwise, you're lowering your chances to win if you're not going after the stuff that works, you know. And yeah. granted, the market row and all kinds of stuff, 
you may have to change away from that. Sometimes you don't have the option to go sacrifice if it doesn't give you any of those cards, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that kind of, it's interesting because that kind of boils down to the general way of thinking about the game is, uh, and I think you've talked about this in your uh, articles, is um, thinking about not only how to maximize your own uh strategy your own character's deck or your own maximize your own play minimize your own uh, opponent's strengths Mm -hmm. like there are different ways of thinking sometimes these two venn diagrams overlap sometimes they're different Mm -hmm. and then you also want to think about like the market or like what the game state is offering you and how you can maximize that right i i read or i wrote in one of the one of the articles I wrote, I can't remember which one, but I talked about kind of, it was one of the game state flow of things one where your deck is not an independent system. It's what's going on with your deck, your opponent's deck and the market row. They all tie together and it's all a combined system throughout all of those. So you have to keep that in mind, but you also need to learn the basics of what your deck wants to do, you know? So first, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Now, and and the discussion we're talking about today is kind of that surface level or what you need to learn uh-huh. to do well first before you kind of do the deeper things and make the right. choices of when to deviate from that or when to do something else, right? Now, I right. fall into the trap uh, a lot when I play of just looking at what my deck is doing. <laughs> and if it works, great, I win. And if it doesn't work, I lose. And, you know, there's something to be said for different play styles, uh, some people can look at what their opponents are doing, get really caught up in, in it, and then it kind of interferes with their own strategies. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, there's different ways of attacking the game and reading a game state. So, um, again, play the game, figure out what's best for you, and and go from there. These are just kind of suggestions or things that have not only worked for us, but many other players as well. So, all right. So... With that kind of framework in mind, let's just jump into it, all right? And uh, let, let's just go in uh, alphabetical order here. And we'll start with the big C, the cleric. Um, the cleric is actually pretty straightforward, I would say. Uh, now, not to say that there's nuance or there's different ways of playing it, but when we're talking about like the general strategy, the first thing you learn to do when you're playing with the cleric is to play a very champion-heavy style. You want to accumu- accumulate champions. All right. You also want to get sacrifice cards as early and as many of them as you can. Now, in some situations, you can actually over-sacrifice all of your economy out of your deck, which, of course, is a big no-no. Be careful not to do that. But right. sacrifice is extremely important to cleric strategy. All right. And the reason is because you don't have a lot of good... Uh, cycling or draw or ways to speed up um speed up your deck your play so sacrifice is an easy way to do that right and it helps you keep your uh champions out and play and even if they get um stunned they cycle back quicker when your deck is there right these are just kind of basics but um focusing on economy is also important and if you can double that up if you can get an economy generating champion Two birds with one stone. Those are actually some of the highest uh, priority targets for the cleric. I'm talking about mm-hmm. like uh, Rasmus and uh, Miros. 
Miros is another one. Miros, especially for clerics, is good because you can bless him to protect him a little bit more. Yep. Um, there's a few. Uh, who is the? Uh... Broline. Broline. Thank you. God, I can't believe I didn't think of her first. Yeah, Broline is a great one. She has <laughs> six, uh, six defense. So when she's yeah. buffed by a cleric, she is a pain it's in tough. the behind to get rid of like the and and she's giving that two gold to the cleric every turn which either helps you bless or buy more stuff so 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 i think it would help if you explained why these are good for the cleric like like why besides the getting the champions because you can bless them and you get more bonus out of them and whatever but why do you want to focus on scrap and economy okay well i just said the reason I mentioned it a little bit just now about the sacrifice, uh, when you sacrifice your starting gold out of your deck, you're going to cycle through your deck quicker and you'll get your stunned champions back into play quicker. Uh, and just also get rid of your, uh, inefficient cards. Now it's important, of course, to replace the gold that you are sacrificing with economy generating cards. And hopefully you can do that with actually champions that generate economy. Uh, basically, that's that's what gets the uh, in the economic engine of the uh, cleric right. going, right? I I, I I was thinking, as a cleric, your game's going to go long, so the scrap and economy have more time to do their thing. That, yep. That's what I was thinking in it, which I know you were thinking, but I, it may have been a little no. Well, I should have well, like the general a little basic for what you were thinking. All right, and you know what? That might be a good first thing to mention for each of these each of these classes is like, yeah. are they? Are these quick aggro characters? Are they mid to mid or long game? Or sometimes mid to long game. It could be both. Yeah. And the cleric is definitely kind of longer, maybe even the longest game. Uh, Probably the longest, yeah. Uh, character in the game. All right. So, yeah, that's a good way to think. And maybe we should say that first going on. Good, good Great point, Tim. Yeah. Now, and that's why, of course, the uh, you have time for that sacrifice to work. And that helps you cycle your deck quicker and, you know, get your champions in right. play quicker, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Tim, I'm just going to vote my last point here. And then you, and you tell me if there's any other cleric um, rules of thumb. Otherwise we'll just go we'll continue on. Uh, the resurrect of course is extremely important for the uh, cleric when you use that resurrect. Uh, and also which uh, build you choose is also obviously very important. Um, Typically, I like the when you're talking about the level 12, uh, I love the Divine Resurrection that gives you 10 health. You get to choose one champ who is stunned last turn to bring back, and you draw a card. And for me, it's that draw that is actually perhaps the most valuable thing about that Resurrection in many games. Not all of them, but in many of them. Um, if we're talking level 12, timing that Resurrection either to help you get a big bomb or a card that's really going to help you early game that will help you kind of establish a quick uh, acceleration and get your engine off and going. Or if you don't need it early game, saving it for when you can get maximum benefit from it. All right. Not just the first time you lose a you know medium or high value champion, but like when bringing that champion back is going to combo with something else, continue your cycle or draw or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know? So the timing of your resurrection is probably uh, one of the harder things for newer players to pick up, uh, and because it, it's one of the probably more subtle nuances of, of, the, of the cleric. So really think about the timing. Uh, 
versus a wizard you'd never want to use your resurrection before the wizard's fireball is gone for example um, not if you can avoid it. Yeah. Not if you can avoid it. There's sometimes when you have to, there's sometimes where it actually work out. And even if they fireball you next turn, it'll be too late or whatever. But uh, typically, mm-hmm. yeah, th- things like that. Timing your resurrection is important. So, all right. Uh, of course we could go into many like subtle situations, yeah. but that's not what we're going to do. We're just talking generally uh, general rules of thumb here. So Tim, what, anything I, I'm missing I, here for cleric? I would say that depending on which, less upgrade you choose Mm. um how important those champions are for you can vary a little bit Mm -hmm. i think the scrap and economy is always important for a cleric regardless of what your build is but um if you go with the bless a soul or even bless the flock sometimes that's kind of the middle road but if you go one that heals more and buffs your champions less you can go a little more action heavy in that sort of build easier and still last a long game with all the healing you have. And it's a little less about making the big champion wall as it is about to just continually heal and build your engine up and do the damage. So like, that's the one thing I would say is if you go like the bless a soul route, you have, you, you may not always want the champions as much. Don't, don't get stuck thinking you have to have champions because sometimes you're okay without it. Even with a, a steel cleric or whatever, you can be all right. But it's definitely going to work better with more champions. Yeah. Now, steel. yeah. And the reason I didn't even touch on that is because I think the soul, especially the bless of soul, is probably more advanced level, or at least like intermediate mm-hmm. advanced level play. Like you can't, if you try to play that style at first, not to say you can't do it, it's going to take you a little longer to learn to pick right. up that learning curve, though. The first way to play the cleric is the is the uh, uh, sorry the steel bless of steel, where you're getting yeah. uh, three defense to your champs with lower heal, but you're you're kind of focusing on that champ wall. The, right, Tim. The, sorry. That's the that's the more basic game plan where you really don't want to deviate from it. As a cleric, you can a little bit, depending on your build. If you enjoy that healing more and don't want to rely on champions, you could go into that sort of build. But also know that it takes a little more getting used to. It's a, there's a bit more of a learning curve with it, for sure. There is. And, and those so, games are very roller coastery. I mean, you're going to take mm-hmm. a lot of damage and then heal for 20, oh, yeah. 25 on your turn and get back up. And you're, it's going to be... They're fun, though. I really enjoy those games quite a bit. It's... But. It's it's a very razor's edge. Like you're on the you're on the edge of your seat the whole time because you're gonna go down to five health and then you're gonna heal back up to forty. You know, like, whew. <laughs> yeah, it can be rough. So, and I may be exaggerating a little bit with those numbers, but not it has happened. <laughs> it has happened. Yeah, and we could, to be honest, I mean, we could spend a, a main topic for yeah. a single episode on each class and talk about the stuff, but we won't do that. But um, someday in the future, we'll get a really good cleric. Maybe we'll get uh, the cat's meow. We'll be able to convince them to come yeah. on and talk about it. All right. So let's keep the, the train a rolling and head into the fighter, Tim. Okay. I hear that train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. All right. You, you got Johnny Cash stuck in my head. Nice. Could be. Um, so the fighter, this is probably one of the more 
basic to grasp the general generalities of the class. It's probably the easiest class to grasp that. I think to master the class, it's a little harder than a couple others, in my opinion. And people will disagree. But some of them also I don't think are the best fighter players. So I will I will put my two cents against theirs any day. <laughs> I'm throwing the gauntlet down. But regardless, it is pretty easy to grasp the basics. You want to do damage and you want to do it fast. That's what you want to do as a fighter. It's aggro. That's that's your play style. If that appeals to you, the fighter's a really great class to try out. Um, and all your upgrades, depending on your builds, but a lot of your upgrades can just be aimed at doing damage and doing more damage. And you're not worrying about much else. You want to buy cheap damage cards. You want to buy cards that draw. Uh, sacrifice is a little less important to you overall because you want the games to go fast so they have less time to do their thing economy is the same way you want the game to go fast so you're just buying damage you're buying draw you're dr buying the the cycle cards like even like an elven gift or something so sometimes economy is not bad but especially if you can pair it with other stuff you know it can be really good but the draw the cycle the damage that, that's the important stuff as the fighter um there is um they made the change right before the uh beta ended where they changed the whirling blow so instead of everybody going devastating blow that gives you 12 damage uh you can go whirling blow that uh it you can either draw two cards or it will stun all the opposing guards and give you damage equal to their defense and that's the buff defense so if you're playing a cleric you'll get bonus damage out of it mm -hmm. um i enjoy that because it actually gives the fighter which has the least amount of starting economy a chance if you draw two cards in your first or second turn with that whirling blow it'll give you that economy boost to actually build some economy and you can play it a little bit. Um, it's not necessarily the longer game, but it gives you the ability to do that with that uh, um, once per game ability. Uh, it also, if you're playing against a cleric, that's something you'd want to save for when they have a bunch of champions out and you can do... I mean, you're really kind of looking for like a, a one-turn kill sort of thing out of it. Yeah. Just the threat of it is a nasty thing is and, and if you go and if you go with that ability upgrade you're gonna maybe change your other upgrades a little bit where maybe you want the helm of fury because champions are gonna that sort of thing there's a lot of stuff you can do but really with either build you're still wanting to lean into the aggro and into the damage yep. you you're you're not gonna want to buy a ton of economy to start you have the least amount in your deck you're gonna lose the race to the bombs most of the time and so you might as well try to just beat them down before they can get their engine going. Yeah. Well, and don't forget that starting deck, especially the fully developed one at level 12 is capable of tons of damage, just tons of damage. Oh yeah. So, and the other interesting thing I'll say about uh, great uh, summary, I really don't have too much to add, uh, but that is it the whirling slash that you're talking about? The double draw whirling one? blow. Sorry. Whirling blow is, um, so much fun because like 
like you said, you can use it as a threat versus clerics just hanging over them, you know, because then they're going to be really shy about buying guards if you have that active, right? Uh-huh. Uh, some might press their luck, and if they do, you can make them pay for it, right? Uh, but if they right. don't, or if you're in a different matchup, like Tim said, you can use that early game to help boost your acceleration, uh, either for economy, like he said, or buy something big and strong. Buy that uh, life drain or buy uh, right. you know, whatever, and just go in to go in for the dive, you know. And you might say, well, that life drain's only eight, and I'd get twelve damage if it was the um, devastating blow, which is true. Uh, the devastating blow is still devastating. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but you can do things early game where um, it actually works. It's it's stronger than twelve damage. What, so. what, well, in in buying like a life drain, just for example, you're gonna see that twice in the game at least, probably maybe three or four times. In which case, it's a lot more than twelve damage. For sure, so, and and you're also sacrificing or whatever. And yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah, great, great overview of the fighter. Okay, let's continue on. Um, Tim, why don't you continue, and we'll we'll we can both kind of chime in oh. as we go as we discuss okay. the ranger. The ranger. So this deck is another deck that go leans into the aggro territory. It does it differently than the fighter for sure. Because this deck is all about uh, the card advantage, the draw and cycling of your deck that you want to get. And you just want to cycle through your deck as fast as you can and see the upgrades that you get as often as you can. You know, not the upgrades, the, the cards you buy from the market and all of that. So your track, your bows and arrows, your snapshot, quick shot, whatever upgrades you have there are all about drawing cards. You just want to track, get rid of the cards you don't want to see draw the cards that you do want, play them more often, and out-damage your opponent. Really, that's kind of what it is. So it, 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 They're all more complicated than we say in the basic thing, but like that's the basic strategy. Yep. Draw the cards, track often. Track early, track often. Bad stuff. Um, yeah. Now, when the track early is actually, I think, pretty good, advice unless you can really buy something that is going mm -hmm. to help you a lot and then if you tracked you would not be able to buy that thing so there's time again especially early game you do need to buy cards especially cards that draw I, and uh do damage yeah Sacrifice i, I think is good too. Oh, a, a lot of the classes um you don't necessarily want to use that skill your first yeah sometimes you do sometimes it's the right move but buying upgrades and getting the good cards is usually a little better early. And then you kind of pivot to using your two cost skill almost every turn. Yep. You know, that's kind of in general. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Do it. And so it's true with the Ranger. Yeah. And you should actually, another th good thing to say with the Ranger is stop buying stuff earlier than even mm -hmm. normal. Right. You might think, Oh, I can buy this good card again. Uh, but then you might not be able to track or, uh, you might be buying a card that's, yeah, it's okay, but it's actually going to slow down or reduce the chances of you drawing a draw card on your next shuffle. You want to make sure you keep your draw, you keep your cycle going, you keep your damage going. And if you have enough, know when to stop. And it's even more important with the Ranger not to clog your deck. I I, th I think anytime it's a draw card, it's probably okay to yes. buy. <laughs> Agreed. But if it's not a draw card, if it's just a damage, even if it's like an intimidation, which is a pretty decent chunk of damage, that may be something you want to pass up on 
if you don't have a ton of draw and cycle cards in your deck and you have enough damage to finish your opponent, you know, in the next, you know, if you're ahead and you have enough that you'll be okay, don't slow your deck down. Nope. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, And I would never, a card that has draw, I would never say clogs your deck. I love draw cards. They're Mm -hmm. probably, they're probably some of my favorites. And in fact, the more draw cards you get, the less likely your deck is to stall out because even with the Ranger and all the tools they have to cycle and draw and everything, sometimes you'll get that really bad shuffle where you just, you could track, but you can't get any of those cards and it just slows your deck way down when you're not drawing and cycling like every turn, basically, you know? So if you're not able to do that, having more draw cards does it. So even something like Death Threat or uh, Deception, which... Deception seems like, oh, hey, I, I want this so that I can get stuff to my hand by pairing up the blue cards and everything. But really, as a ranger, it's like, oh, that allows me to track and it allows me to draw. Yep. Yep. So that's a great Death card. Touch, too, I love. It only does one damage unless you mm-hmm. can pair it up with another guild and then you can um, But the stun. draw is huge. The draw is huge. All you need is one draw card to track and then rearrange your cards and then keep the mm. engine going, right? That's all you really need yep. to do. And when you stall out, it can actually spell doom for the ranger sometimes. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to avoid stalling out. Yeah, all right. I think that covers the general the gist. And, of course, we could go into great detail. And if you want more detail, listen to uh, the episode with Double Dubs, Advanced yeah. Aerodynamics. One, one thing I would say with, with the ranger upgrades, the, the tracking... Uh, I've heard really good reasons to take any of the three tracks. A lot of people will go the 4-3 or the 3-2, but I've even heard good arguments for the 4-1 track. So take what you think is an enjoyable way to play it and practice it and play it. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll go into the next one here with the Thief. Okay. So there's a couple of different builds for the Thief that are very different play styles. And they have to do with the, what is it, the level 11 upgrade? Or is it the level 9? The 9, the armor upgrade. That's uh, what it is. Yeah, yeah. level 9. Level 9. The, the, the shadow mask or the silent boots. So depending on which build you go for, and I will say the, the boots thief is a bigger learning curve, just like with the uh, like soul cleric and some of that stuff. It's going to be tougher to learn that one. Uh, you have to understand the game pace and your opponent, what they're doing a lot more to use that build effectively. If you don't know that, I'd probably stay away from that build and just go, you know, the Shadow Mask build. There's a lot of synergy in it, and it's easier to understand. And then once you learn the game better, you can either level up another Thief or you can Prestige or whatever and try that out if you want. But That's- that's if a great point. If, if you already feel like you have a basic understanding, either one's fine. Um, with the Shadow Mask, it's all about, um, well, for anything with the Thief, it's all about using that smooth heist effectively. And in my opinion, that means using smooth heist early and getting two cards to your hand before your first shuffle. If you can do that, even if they're mediocre cards, that will have a huge impact on the game. I know there's people that will disagree with me and say, you want to save it, or if it's not something great, waiting a little later is fine. 
I think it's pretty important. It doesn't have to be your first turn, but probably your second turn. And if you haven't used it by your third turn, you're wanting to use that. You don't want to just let it sit there. Use that smooth heist. Um, if you have a different heist, I think you made the wrong choice, <laughs> in my opinion. Ooh. People will argue about it and say this and that. Pick what's fun for you. You can use anything effectively, but I think the smooth heist is heads and tails probably the strongest you know, ability in the game, period, bar none. And so you're wanting to use that early, and then especially if you get less than three cost cards to hand, with Shadow Mask, you can top deck a three or less cost card. So you get it to hand, you play it the next turn, you top deck it, you're drawing it with your knife belt and, and throwing knives, or the blackjack draw cards are important here. The other thing was with the Thief is you have a lot of economy and you can heal. So you go with a longer game. Sacrifice can be... So much like with the Cleric, sacrifice, economy can be big. You already have an economy advantage over everyone as the Thief. Mm. So, you know. Nice. Buy the good stuff. Try to get it to hand. Shadow Mask it to the top. Abuse that and play those cards as much as you can. Good. With the Boots Thief, mm -hmm. uh, you probably know the Boots Thief a little better than me. So why don't you talk about that one a little bit? Okay. All right. Well, first, before I talk about the Boots, there's a few points that you brought okay. up that I really wanted to just add a it. comment, a plus alpha onto. Uh, first was the, um, the heist, the timing of the smooth heist. Yeah, totally agree. The earlier you can do it, the better, right? You change the vector and the trajectory of your uh, deck when you do things early, right? And this goes back to the fighter double draw as well. Like if you can burn that uh -huh. early and it helps you buy something on your first shuffle or your second shuffle, it changes the, the whole course of that deck, right? Same thing with the uh, cleric. You can use the draw on the divine resurrection to help you buy something early. And you might waste, you might not get any health or even um, resurrect a good champion, but you're going to buy something that will change the trajectory of that the thief does this better than any other character with smooth heist by hands down and smooth heist is the best ability in the game. I'll say it like, I won't even say it's arguable anymore. I think it is now it can miss of course. Right. And the games where yep. it misses or, and when I say it can miss, maybe you just don't get good targets in your first or second turn. And Tim said, you want to do it by your third turn. And sometimes it happens where you just don't really get good targets for it. And you got to learn how to deal with that. But um, yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say is the, uh, uh, what's it called? The masterful heist where you steal from your opponent. All right. This uh -huh. is uh, really good in some matchups. And it's really good against some builds that are susceptible to it. That have uh, really weak cycling and draw. Uh, so the cards they buy will be easy to steal and stealing a card from them can really cripple them. So in some matchups, it's really good. Many others, it's not. And in fact, some of the best uh, characters and classes like the Ranger, uh, even like a, a strong um, cycling wizard can just do really horrible things to a um, masterful heist thief so the thief do masterful heist at your own peril it's good in some situations really bad in others smooth heist is good at, against everybody 
the it, it, it's very it, it's it's very market dependent but even like i said getting a couple of mediocre cards early has a bigger impact than stealing a card late game from your opponent like it like you said it changes that whole tra- trajectory of the game by doing that early yep. and so it just changes all your curves and sets them to your advantage even with something mediocre yeah I mean, I have seen games decided by the Masterful Heist as well, where they steal a card from me and that yep. basically ends it. I mean, it has happened for sure. I'm not saying it can. But just these are just things to think about. The last one is the... Is that the perfect heist? The one where you get the second one of the same faction to your hand? I don't remember. We, he doesn't remember because he's probably only I used it twice. It. Yeah. And the reason it's not very good is because you're restricted on your ability to use it early. The chances of two cards lining up in the same faction that you can use it on and you have enough gold to get that first one are pretty low, which makes it, you know, uh, which makes it its uh, efficacy really weak compared to the other. In my opinion, if it lines up, it can be the best, actually. Right. But uh, the chances of it lining up are, are are not as good as the others. All right. All right. So that was the thing I wanted to say about that. All right. Um, boots. All right. Let's talk about the boots. Now, the boots is kind of like... Um, and Tim, you said it great at the beginning. You said, once you kind of have a better general understanding of the game, try the boots. And the reason is because, uh, and, you know, I'm not a great boots player. I'm not going to say I am. I'm not one of the best ones. Uh, in my opinion, probably DeCats is the best. He's actually like the the origin of the of the boots build, at least in beta, that we yeah. know of. Who, well, yeah, I mean, he brought it out and made it and showed that it can be good. He made it popular for sure. There's a lot of people that played it, but he really proved that it could, could be, be good. Yeah, like really, really good. good, really good. And the reason why it's good is because you can kind of suppress and control the market row in a way that no other character can. So if you can get a, a market row that, it, that doesn't really have any good cards for your opponent in it, and you can just leave it in that state and cherry pick stuff off the top of the market deck with your uh, boots ability, you're at a massive advantage. Plus, you're getting the economy advantage from the boots as well. You're getting to cherry pick cards off the top of the deck at one cost less. Uh, So Mm -hmm. um, you have to set things up. And you again, you have to have a general understanding of the game. Which cards do you want in the market? Which cards do you want to get out of the market, etc.? Which cards do you want to... Uh, buy with your boots which cards do you want to leave or sacrifice etc etc it's kind of controlling the game state and it's a complicated way to play but it's really interesting and fun and you can devastate uh, lots of different uh, matchups and and builds with it so yeah definitely worth a try but again it would probably be more for intermediate players i would say to try out yeah and and one thing with the with the thief in general is is you want to heal Mm -hmm. you want to use your 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 lift, distracted exchange, misdirect, whatever it is that you have, any of them's viable. Some are better against different classes than others. Maybe your first couple of turns you're not using it because you're at your max health, and with the health cap, you're not gaining the health part. And one single discard early isn't huge, but it, it can be. But you know, maybe you aren't using it the first couple of turns and are trying to get good stuff from the market. But after that, you're usually wanting to heal by using that yeah i agree and you need it in some matchups now i think this is especially against the fighter and ranger you need to use that almost from your first turn on yeah and this is a good principle one actually 
even if you want to buy something or you can buy something from the market that you think would be really great for your deck, but it would uh, not allow you to heal that turn, really be careful about it. If it's early game and you haven't skipped any healing yet, you might be able to get away with it once if you're playing a fighter. But like if you're skipping two or three times of healing, you're probably going to lose that game, even if you don't realize yeah. it yet. So like that's one of the important principle. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up here, because I thought it was interesting, Tim, you said earlier game, you may want to skip using your, uh, your, this is your skill that we're talking about, right? The two cost. Uh-huh. The two cost skill. Yeah. Yep. You want to avoid using that early game so you can buy things and start to build your deck. And then as the game gets into, you know, mid to late game, you want to be spamming your uh, ability. Uh, not only is this true for the thief, it's probably true for every class. I think that might be a good general rule of thumb that mm -hmm. early game, you don't want to spend too much of your gold on your abilities if it's going to reduce your ability to build your deck, but you have to know when to switch and to really to maximize the use out of your uh, ability and use it even in situations uh, where it might be better, where you might think it's better to buy something out of the row. Actually, it might not be. Right. You might want to be spamming your 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 skill. So I think that's a good general I, rule of thumb. I'd, I'd agree overall. I would say there's a couple of the fighter can be an exception. Sometimes you just want to be spamming that that damage from turn one and never stop. True. Uh, uh, and the ranger sometimes I think you may also want to be tracking and doing that depending on how the market is and everything else. It, it all kind of depends. But in general, overall, the first couple turns, you may not want to use a skill. Later on, you pretty much are always going to want to be using it. That's a great um, great way to put it. You, the purchases you get early have a bigger effect over the course of the game. The purchases you get later do not have as much of an effect. And so passing up on those later purchases to use your ability have less an effect on your deck and so your your ability will have more of an effect basically yep, totally agree and uh, on that spectrum of like when to switch over from buying stuff to using your ability fighter and ranger are definitely at closer to the end of st starting to use it sooner if not even turn one cleric is probably a little bit later a uh, thief may or may not be depending on the build that you're using um, and wizard too right. is just a total uh, situation based thing in fact, sometimes if you know you can flip your deck early, you use your, you do want to use it. Sometimes you don't want to flip your deck, so yeah. you avoid using it. So the th wizard's a little different. Um, all right, yeah, really good uh, discussion so far. I think that covered the thief. Generally speaking, of course, again, there's Pretty lots much. of yep. different details and stuff we're missing. The, but in in my, in my opinion, a thief is probably one of the hardest to get learn everything about and to really understand how you play it over a whole game and, and there's other situations that maybe are more difficult but overall i'd say thief's one of the more difficult to learn to play very well i agree especially when you're talking about everything if you're talking about the boots style yep. of play as well and again it, yep. it's because it requires a deeper knowledge of the full game itself not only like the market cards but the other characters and their styles and yep. like what how to counterplay and et cetera. So exactly. And the wizard is similar in that sense. I think, uh, uh -huh. you need kind of a similar understanding of things in order to do well in different matchups, just because the wizard has a pretty uphill climb in, in many different ways. But anyway, um, all right, let's, and speaking of the wizard, it's everybody's favorite, um, 
fireball wielding characters turn at the turn at the plate here um the wizard is tough last but not least last but well last and least in terms of overall winning percentage no, the fighter's the least really so is it really an <laughs> overall winning percentage i would say so yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me well i don't know but i, I think they're both down there anyway let's not go there yeah i think a lot of we people just a lot of good players aren't playing fighter either i think but anyway yeah um wizard all right now wizard is tough because as i just said it, it's so situational uh hard rules are hard to come by uh with the wizard um but in general you want to look for action heavy cards unless you're going to die and you need guards in which case it's okay to buy guards <laughs> all right so every rule i'm going to give you i'm going to tell you like when to break it because there's it's frequent when you do um try to get draw cards all right this is actually always true and in fact i usually follow this rule no matter what class i'm playing uh draw cards are, are really good even fighter I, I will get like an elven gift um uh-huh. just because i love elven gifts um draw cards are great for wizard get draw cards if you can uh Unless there are, there's some sort of exceptional situations and matchups and builds. Typically, if you see a healing card, especially a healing that doesn't require factioning, like recruit, buy that uh-huh. sucker, buy it, and buy it before, and hope if it's your opponent goes before you, hope they don't buy it. Uh, recruit is probably my favorite wizard um, early card to see in the market. One of my fr- favorite ones for the cost and for the for the value. Um, the last general rule of thumb with the wizard is don't die. <laughs> I, I, this made me laugh so hard. Well, yeah, that's, that's true for everybody. Don't die. It's true for everybody, but you really have to look at your really, like the first thing you should look at every turn with your wizard is your health meter. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you're the squishiest. Yeah. And it goes quick that, that 50 or 55, uh, hit points goes very quickly. So keeping in, eye on that and act accordingly all of the other rules i just said um will take a a secondary role if you're going to die right so buy guards or buy healing or whatever you can just to make the game go as long as possible Uh, we broke our rule when we said earlier or i just did wizard is a mid to long game uh character typically now there is there are some builds where you can actually go quick you can try to aggro uh, and if the aggro is not going to work out, you can shift and pivot and try to um, go mid to long game. There are builds that allow that, uh, that are a lot of fun. But generally speaking, you want the wizard to get as much time as possible to uh, build up their engine so they can do massive amounts of damage and finish the game in one or two turns in mid to late game. All right. So again, I could go, I could easily spend a whole episode just talking about wizard stuff, but the general rule of thumb is go actions, get as much draw and heal as you can. Uh, if you're in matchups where against aggro, like ranger and fighter, think about how you're going to protect yourself. You need guards, you need healing, you need something, or you're going to die. You're not going to be able to out aggro those in most situations. There are some builds that can, especially with ranger, uh, fighter two for that matter. Um, but, um, I, against those aggro matchups, 
would you buy those guards like turn one? Yes. And normally you wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends. Okay. First, I would I would probably put the flow chart like uh, I would probably put recruit. Now I put um, mm-hmm. command. Recruit's probably at the top. No, commands yeah. at the top if you can afford it. If you have five gold, right. then commands available. Right. You don't even think about anything else. You just buy command or domination. If you have, but early game, you probably right. it's possible actually. Right. But you, probably, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That, sure. Let's put domination word of power. I'd actually put lower on the list. I'm not going to put word of power yet. Uh, right. then command, then, uh, rally the troops is an auto buyer. If uh-huh. you can, uh, recruit, wait, what's the three cost of one? Mm-hmm. Is it just the champion? There is no action at three, right? No. The, the three cro- oh, cost is close, close ranks. ranks. Yeah. Close ranks is usually an auto buy for me as well. Even if I don't have any Imperial yet or don't see any out there, I'll get it just to have it because it's one of my favorite cards and you're probably going to try to get imperial later anyway and even if you don't you're going to be doing lots of damage and it's an action uh next Uh is uh basically i'm just listing all of the imperial cards and saying buy them if you can (laughs) including recruit (laughs) including recruit okay recruit especially i would say is, is really good taxation usually yes like if i have one gold left at the end of my turn and there's a taxation there i'll buy it for sure especially early game yeah uh, okay. Mid game, if I'm doing okay, I won't buy it. Or you can scrap it, uh, sacrifice it later if you need to. But yeah, buy buy imperial cards. I guess is probably a good way to say this, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And so yeah. those aggro matchups are the worst. And sometimes you need to get lucky. And if you don't get lucky, you're going to lose. And that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes for the wizard. Now, of course, there's exceptions. If you're playing a serene channel build or uh, maybe a pure channel plus gloves build or something that has a lot of potential mm-hmm. healing in it, you'll do a lot better in those matchups. And uh, that I always say that, you know, the most stable build for wizard is the serene channel. Uh, the three heal one draw one. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, it's great. You can do really strong builds with it. It's not my favorite just because I like the scry and ability to look into your deck and choose what you're going to draw to two combos and stuff with. Um, but in terms of performing better against those aggro matchups, the serene channel is definitely, definitely one of the ways to go. And if you're learning the wizard and having a difficult time with it, I would say try building, yeah, try to build a serene channel, uh, wizard. In fact, try a serene channel with the robes, or if you're really, if you really want that extra healing, you could get the serene and gloves too, but the, the, uh, serene plus robes actually works pretty good. And give yourself lots of economy, uh, like the amulet, maybe even the amulet and the stone, um, and see how mm-hmm. that goes. That's a good starting build that can help you out in those aggro matches. All right. You know, you know, I I started off uh, not liking the wizard as much, um, and I think I did that. I tried to build with that. And I was like, oh, I'm starting to get this. Then I tried some other builds, and I enjoy the other builds more. But I think that's the build that kind of got me used to how the the wizard works mm. in general. So I got a feel for the class, how you want to do stuff. You have a little bit more healing, so you got a buffer there that makes it a little easier and less of the, you know, razor's edge. Am I going to die, you know, in two turns because I have no health sort of thing? Like it gives you a little help there so you can get used to the class. And then you can try the other stuff out kind of. Yep. And again, you need a good understanding of not only the market and how it's going to work with your possible um, vectors for your deck, but also what your opponent is trying to do 
um, and how to kind of slow that mm-hmm. down and how to react to it. So, yeah, it takes a while for the wizard, but it can be a lot of fun once you learn it. And you can do reasonably well it, with it. it. I mean, yeah. it, it's one of the more difficult classes to to master, I would say. And, and even to learn kind of how it plays well is a little bit harder than a lot of classes. Yeah. I, I had one last quick thing after all of these. How would you rate um, the five classes as far as difficulty to learn the basics of and difficulty to master uh, at a high level? Oh, that's tough because some of them... All right, so like the cleric, the basics are buying champions and blessing them, basically, and getting sacrifice cards, mm-hmm. which is pretty easy. Uh, so I think that would actually be easier. But the flock and especially the soul builds require a much higher command or knowledge right. of the game so i think the cleric is actually a little bit of both but the cleric champ heavy uh bless of steel build is probably great for beginners and a great way to learn the cleric yeah you can do well with that even without a vast knowledge of the whole game uh fighter is also probably on the uh, very easy end maybe one of the easiest to learn early especially when you're just going full out aggro buy big damage cards mm-hmm. use your ability buy fire gems etc and just try to punch your phone opponent in the face and kill them as quickly as possible um i think those are probably the easiest all right uh ranger is mm-hmm. also deceptively easy once you get used to the uh tracking and how to use the quiver well and how to manage your discard mm-hmm. and pulling stuff out of your discard and also timing your uh, your uh, snapshot or whatever. Hopefully you're using snapshot, which lets you take two cards out of your discard pile as well. So learning the timing on all of that stuff takes, there's a little bit of a curve to it. But once you learn it, it's actually kind of smooth sailing from there. You can just kind of autopilot mm-hmm. your play with the ranger if you don't, if you don't make mistakes pressing buttons, you know. Um, so the ranger I kind of put right in the middle. It's got a little bit of a curve, but once you, I'd say ranger might be the easiest character to be really good with, to have like a good hit, a good win rate. With, <laughs> right, you, you can hit like okay. you can hit a good cruising speed with the ranger, just by kind of you know getting um, some games under your belt and learning how to use it. Uh, then I'd say thief and wizard are probably at the end of the spectrum. Thief, just because there's so many styles of play. And again, you have to have kind of knowledge of how uh, the market deck works with not only your character, but other characters when to time things. The mask is much easier than the boots in, in that regard. You can kind of just go for two or three cost cards and throw them on to the top of your deck and recycle them that way. Mm-hmm. So the thief mask is probably at the easier end. Boots is at the more advanced end. Wizard, I would say, is probably more at the intermediate advanced end, just because that initial curve, especially like levels one, two, three, are just so brutal to get through sometimes. It can feel uh-huh. frustrating to to be beaten badly uh, in the early stages if you're not. I'd, I'd say like the first like six or seven levels are pretty tough as a wizard. Yeah, so you kind of have to slog through an unfun <laughs> development <laughs> period. It's like raising a kid almost. No, just kidding. I love my kids. Um, <laughs> It takes a while to get over that hump, you know, but once they start unlocking their uh, their upgrade cards and they level up their channel and, and you choose your, you get your fireball stronger, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, uh, it becomes so much fun, especially once you can start taking advantage of the different combinations or the, the drawing mechanics or if you're going serene channel, just pumping up your, um, just out damaging and out healing your opponents and uh, you know it can be a lot of fun to play so give the wizard a chance but it takes some time to get there 
Um, it might not be the okay. first, the best choice for a new player coming in to play first, but it depends on the person. Okay. Um, How about you, Tim? I'll go really, qu- I'll go really quick with this. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting question that kind of ties like into it. the main topic. Yeah. Um, I think probably the two easiest to learn the basics are fighter and cleric, like you said. Um, Ranger's a little more difficult, like you said, to wrap your mind around how things work. Um, to master, I think Ranger's the easiest to master. Once you wrap your head around pulling that, using the quiver to pull arrows out and that sort of thing, it it and and probably because its power level is a little higher, so it's easier mm-hmm. to win with it, even if you make some mistakes. So that might be part mm-hmm. of it. Um. Uh, and then fighter and cleric uh, would probably be in the middle as far as mastering. Also because they're, they can be on the lower end of the power level sometimes. The cleric's kind of in the middle, but the fighter's towards the lower end of the power at level 12. So it's harder to play it really well and win effectively with that. So there's more thinking. Even though it's straightforward, there's stuff that you want to do that doesn't necessarily make the easiest so sometimes you want to discard your long sword and keep something else so that you can shoulder crush or whatever you know like that doesn't make sense on the surface um and then i would say like you said wizard and thief uh towards the top i think thief is the hardest to like master master just because i think it's the most versatile and there's so many different ways you can play it that that it's harder to master all of that i think the wizard's hard to master because it's really squishy i would say it's so because just as versatile as the thief i would say but go ahead continue i I, i'm not arguing that it can be very versatile i think the thief's more versatile than the wizard but you know that that could be my my in some ways you're right prejudice or whatever yeah but i think those are the two hardest um but I think for any of the five classes, learning the basics isn't super hard. It's hard to win early with the wizard just doing the basics and not being really good at it yet. So get used to losing a little bit with it. Don't get discouraged. Um, the other classes, the other one that I had a little trouble like wrapping my mind around, and this was before some of the buffs and whatever, but I had trouble with the cleric early. I understood how to do it. But I just lost all the time. Well, it also got buffed since then, too. So that could have been part of it. But I don't seem to have that problem anymore. So easy to understand the basics, but it's it's more in the middle. And it has a longer game, so there's a lot more room for some of those decisions to happen. You're an aggro player, too, to Tim. I mean, you're very aggro. And I think yeah. it could be... It's It probably goes furthest it's, against the grain of your play style. So that could be it's, part of it. As it well. If... If I were if I were Avatar Aang, this would be my uh, earthbending would be the clear, nicely so. done. Now, I, I, <laughs> even I understood that, but he even got earthbending at the end, though, didn't he? He did. Anyway, anyway, what, I think that's a good way to sum up the. Hold on, topic, one thing. One know? thing about wizard versatility. You, you threw down. You said thief was the most versatile. Okay. And you know, I have to. I take umbrage. Now you're right in the sense that the wizard is always going to want to draw stuff and and basically do lots of actions in that sense it doesn't really matter what build you choose right you're typically going to go down that route although wizards can actually do pretty good well uh, pretty well with champions but the Mm -hmm. 
uh, choices you make on the upgrade tree with the wizard really change the way the wizard plays. Now with the thief, it's true too, of course, especially with the mask and the boots. And I think though, those are basically the two big changes, right? The mask, whether you choose the mask or the boots. How how you do that makes a big difference in how you want to do the rest of right. it. I think with the wizard though, I think there's even more points on the tree that determine how you're going to play. Right. right the the channel you choose, especially if you go if you go serene, you're going to play one way. You're going to kind of tank bulldoze. If you choose the yeah. pure or the soul, you're going scry so- crazy draw combos mode. Right. The other one is the robes versus the um, the gloves. Now, if you get the robes, you can do all sorts of crazy things that change the style you play and the way you play. If you go the gloves, you're basically going to choose heavy uh, actions and then choose whether to go aggro or heal, right? Uh, the other ones are the um, wand and the mirror, which also change a little bit. My point is, like, there's just more moving parts on the wizard that allow for different kind of so- variations in play. So I I will agree with you there that I think your upgrades on the wizard, there's a lot more room to do what you want to do to do different things and everything. I meant like once you have your build and you're playing the game, hmm. I think the thief is overall more versatile. Oh, okay. Than the I see. All right. Yeah. Does that yeah, make yeah sense? Okay. Okay. No, I, and I agree it, with not, that. Not in the way that you build it. Okay. Cause I think, I think they're fairly close when it comes to how you're building it and whatever. And the wizard's probably more versatile in how you build it. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. I would, well, and that also connects to the power level of the, the thief is better, uh, you know, performs better across yeah. all matchups than the wizard does. And that's one of the reasons why Yeah, totally agree. Uh, but yeah, my okay. point is also true. Like you can build your wizard in a very vers- in versatile directions, right? It's, there, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of versatility the- there. I mean, those are the two classes that can be versatile in how you build them. The other three kind of are stuck doing what they do. There's not a ton of versatility for a fighter or a ranger or a cleric. Cleric there is, I think. But yeah, the other two is not. A little. Well, I mean, there's a big difference between a soul. You, you want to heal. Yeah. In, yeah, no, you want to heal. Yeah. yeah. There's a and difference. And play a long game. But the general things. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, dude, and again, you guys, you can All see, right. we could continue talking about just this main topic for probably another two hours. <laughs> we got to stop. We got to stop. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Now, we're missing things. We're skipping over stuff. We're, go- we're painting in broad strokes. Chime in on the Discord. Send us an email. Our email is in the uh, show notes. I always forget what it is because it's super long, but we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, tell us if you have uh, an idea, if we miss something, if you have a, something you want to chime in on. Uh, don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. All right. That wraps up the main topic. And we're going to transition next into Tim's favorite segment, card talk. This is my boomstick. Welcome to card talk. Today we are going to rank the bombs. I like that phrase. So uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to talk about the seven and eight cost cards in the game, kind of how we would rank them, power level wise. And granted, we understand every game's different. This one may be better in some situations over the other one. But if you look at it in an aggregate overall, which one's going to be better most of the time compared to this one and that was so so on and so forth. okay now how, 
how do so, you want to do this? We we should have talked about this beforehand, but we're going to do it now so the listeners can see how to see how things work behind the scenes. Let's do and if you have a different idea, that's fine too. How about we each give our top three? We'll start three and then go two and then one, and then we can just talk about the other ones afterwards. That'll add some excitement to it. Do you want to go first or? Sure. I'll go, I'll go first. My number three is domination. Okay. Seven cost, uh, does what? Six, six damage, six heals and draws a card. Is that right? And then it allies to prepare a champion. Yep. I'm doing this from memory, so I think that's right. Yep, that's that's a great number three. And now I'm thinking, like, man, is that number three really? And then I'm looking at the list, and yep, it is number three. If anything, I might put it in a close tie, but probably a little bit higher than Torgan. Uh, but yeah, it's close. Domination and Torgan are probably on that second tier or like the third place area of, of the bombs for me. Yeah. And the reason is because it draws, it heals and it damages. And if you, uh, if you right. faction that thing up and you have champs out, it's game over basically. Yeah. Right. I, I, I rarely worry about the faction with it. That's always a bonus with that card. The fact that it's a 12 health swing in one card and it doesn't take up any space in my deck. It's a great card. Yeah. It's drawn as Torgan. I put up here because uh, he's a beast. He's got seven guard. He forces discard and does four damage. I think, and he's wild. So like, he's just awesome. Yep. And again, even if you have no other wild cards in your deck, and if that's happening, that's probably bad news for you. But even if that's the case, he's still good. All right, um, let's go to number two. Um, uh, this is my number one and number two are really close. So. I think I'll have to go number two is Firebomb. Ooh. Okay. Um, does that surprise you? It does. You? It does surprise me. All right. I'm okay. going to do... I'll put Grack at number two. Okay. I love Grack. Now, the reason why I chose Grack, and then you can talk about Firebomb. Grack, again, is a beast. And he lets you draw cards. And he does six damage. Uh, and he's wild. So, again... Just a beast. Uh, he's good in any situation if you can afford him, even if you don't have wild. I love big champions. He 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 is a beast. He lets you cycle mm. cards, which is a draw, but you also discard too. Sorry. Yep. And this is why I I would definitely say fire firebomb does the most damage, uh, base damage of any card in the game, and it draws and it auto destroys a champion. So, like, that's a lot in one card. So that's why it would be number two for me over Greg. Like, all of these cards are good, and especially in the right situation, they can be amazing. Yep. But, like, when you're talking about the best of the best and the most expensive cards, like, you're talking little granularities here. So Totally. Um, yeah. Well, for the reasons you just outlined is why Firebomb is my number one card. Okay. In a tie... With the big, the big T dog himself, Tyranor. Uh, these are my top two top tier cards. Tyr- yeah, yeah. Tyranor would be my number one. Okay. Yeah, is what I would say. And it's really close. And and I just picked on the spot. Um, so 
I don't know. Tyranor just thins your deck down so like it doesn't matter how fast or slow your deck is. The two scrap from Tyranor makes such a huge difference in a game. Like it's it's amazing, and it, I think it warps a game more than Firebomb yep. does. I, I agree. Like. The thing is, because okay, well here's the thing with Tyranor. You and it, it, it's true for Firebomb as well, but there's an added element. You don't want to a you don't want to bottom deck Tyranor. If you do, it's right. it's it, you're gonna lose basically. Right? Of course, that's true for Firebomb. But the other thing with Tyranor is not only do you not want to bottom deck him, you you have to make sure he has. T- targets to uh to hit and in the early right. game it's usually not a problem but there can be times where he's just not super effective but even then he's still good i mean i'm not saying firebomb to me right. is just like it's just always good see it it is it's always a lot of damage and tyranor is less damage but you're always thinning your deck down and making everything else better yeah. whereas firebomb does the damage it does the draw and those are always good. Yeah. Unless it's the last card in your deck and you flip your deck and then bottom deck it. That's the that's when the draw can yeah. be bad. And you don't want to not play your firebomb. Nope. Like that's, that's not just... you, you have the choice of not playing a card. So uh, if I had firebomb and command in my hand and one card left in my draw pile, man, that's so hard to be like, how do I play not firebomb? Play unless you're gonna you know? die. So yeah. Right. Um, but the stun a champion is can be very situational. Yeah, but you don't even it's your opponent has to have him out for it's it to a bonus do anything. If you get it. I, I guess I'm gonna right. put Firebomb slightly ahead of Tyranor. Just because okay. you know, it's an action. I love of course I love wizard play and if you it's a little easier to top deck a firebomb than it is a uh, a champion. You can only top deck champions okay. with uh Varric and um Rasmus, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, or does de- deception? Yeah, deception does hand. everything to hand. Of course, that's deception. But yeah. Anyways, those they're all great cards. We love them all. So let's talk about the honorable mentions now. All right, you, we left some some of these bombs off our list. There, there, there's three on there that we haven't. Okay, talked well, about you didn't talk about so. Torgan. What do you think about Torgan first? Um. I do like the defense from Torgan. Seven defense guard is is huge. Um, the fact that it doesn't have a faction ability at this level kind of feels bad. I guess it always makes somebody discard, but it and it does like four, four damage, right? And then a seven defense guard. So like the best thing is is that big huge guard that you're so good have. They have to take the discard is and it will stay out multiple turns. Usually. And that discard really works well with it. And the fact that you're making them discard a card, which then means less likely that they have the damage to take it out, you know? So like that works really well with it. Um, So it can be really great, but also like if you're playing against a deck that has a bunch of damage, that's less of a, a thing. And so I feel like it, its value goes way down. Okay. Um, I love Torgan. Yeah. I, I do like, I like all of these cards and I think they all definitely have their place. Yeah, even, um, well, let's keep going through the list. Uh, let's talk about Arcus next. And I think we even mentioned him on a recent okay. episode. I, I think I said, you know, he gets a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of hate 
uh, or maybe ignore. Uh-huh. He, he's ignored a lot, but Arcus is a pretty dang good card. You know, um, I mean, yeah, five damage, draw a card, six defense guard, and it allies to heal six. Is that it. right? Wow, I have and it's natural sometimes. draw, so it's not a faction draw. Like it'll draw yeah. no matter what. So it's not a faction, and it's not a cycle. It's a draw. They're great. If you're so. Imperial, if you have Imperial in your deck, Arcus becomes one of the best bombs, actually. Um, mm-hmm. it, he works also really yeah. great with Varric if you're doing a Varric run. Uh, he's a great mm-hmm. target for Varric as well. So, yeah, Arcus is just a great one. Just solid. Uh, probably the worst eight costing card, uh, but it's against Firebomb and Tyranor. So, what can you do? Right? And Grack. But. But, but also, it will be the other eight cost cards in certain situations where it will be the best eight cost card to buy. Yep. So like it's all situational, but in a vacuum, probably the worst. Yeah. And I think if we say, if we say like from an early game or as early as you possibly could buy these, um, it's probably how we're mm-hmm. ranking them as well. Right. So Arcus will probably be better later yeah. game and not as yeah. good early game. But yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, last but not least. Um, and you know, the, probably the most, controversial uh champion in terms of name pronunciation we have no it's not controversial we have rake <laughs> i'm just gonna go ahead and say it's, it's, rake. it's rake the assassin he is a guild uh champion non-guard seven defense does four damage that's a does lot. four damage but most importantly mm-hmm. stuns any champion in play it's champion mm-hmm. right so not just guards not non-guard, but anybody. So it, right. it, he is a true assassin. Uh, great card. But you do have to stun the guards before the non-guards. Right, right. He can't avoid... Yeah, he can't stealth past a guard, right? Yeah. yeah. But he can choose guards or non-guards. That would be... That would make him... And that would actually make him an even probably. more deadly assassin, wouldn't it? Okay. Well, yeah. The anyway. most deadly assassin. That would be on the next Kickstart. Kickstart. Um, yeah, Rake is, you know, good... Not great. If you're playing against a cleric or somebody who's building, throwing uh, champions at you, he's awesome. Uh, he's really good because he's hard to kill. But uh, I'd, pro- I'd in most cases, if I have seven uh, gold to spend, I'm g- probably going to spend it on something else. I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of times I'm going to buy, buy a five or six cost card over yep. Rake. Unless my opponent has a bunch of champions then his value will yep. go way up. But the fact that he doesn't have a faction ability, I mean, the fact that he's not a guard is good and bad at the same time. Yep. So it's a non-guard champion with seven defense. So if they have six defense, it gets through him and you take it. But it also means if you have some guards out, you can hide them back there and snipe their champions yep. off super easy. So like there's, positive and negative there i think no i agree i have bought him and i have used him to great effect but like i said usually i'll buy something else unless the situation calls for it all right uh i think that wraps up card talk tim are are you good talking ranking these bombs yeah i'm good i would like i would like to hear how uh listeners think about i was thinking about that and what we've said about it because i you i know we don't necessarily all agree but these are the most expensive best cards in the game quote unquote so like i'd like to hear what other people have to say too 
Just because I think these conversations are I agree. I will make a tier list maker just for the bombs, and I'll post it uh, right when we release the... Um, Okay. Right when we release the uh, the episode, I'll post it on Discord. Maybe I can do um, uh, a Facebook bowl too. Although I I think Larry Horgle, friend of the podcast, uh, is probably the only person who looks at our uh, our Sparks and Rec Facebook page. But maybe we'll do it there too. All right, so we'll do we'll do some way for you guys to vote or rank your own um, list for for the for the bombs. All right, but for car talk in any case, consider these bombs ranked. All righty, and now for Killer Combos. This is Matt's favorite segment because he loves combos, and not just the crunchy little snacks that you can get at the gas station. Not just, I do love those, though. Uh, They're delicious. Uh, Pizza-flavored are my favorite. Anyway, Killer Combos, and we're talking about character-specific combos today. Yep, and we're not going to do an exhaustive list. We're actually going to try to keep this to like five or six minutes, but... Just some of the main combos that we have in the character-specific classes, all right? All right, I'll start out first. We'll, let's, we can do kind of a similar pattern as we did before, okay? I'll do Cleric, and then you can do a sure. Ranger. We can talk both or whatever, okay? Uh, cleric. All right, the combos I see here, uh, the big one uh, for many Cleric builds is the uh, Phoenix Helm combo, where you kind of set up your um, champion's for your opponent to uh, cut down, which triggers your uh, draw on the next turn. All right, this is a great way for the cleric to keep the deck cycling and uh, keep the champions coming, at, even as to replenish champions as they get stunned, basically. It's one of the main combos, I think, for the uh, cleric. Uh, another one is the, as I said before, the resurrect timing can also be kind of a combo, right? And combos, uh, there's, we're using a broad definition of combo here, right? We're, it's not like just faction combinations. We're talking about like general things that synergize with each other. I think the, it's probably a good way to. The, this is combos and cheese its is yeah, what it there is. There we go. All right. Um, all right. So the other one, the other major one I would list is the resurrect ability, which you can combo in the sense of timing a reshuffle if you really want one or uh, tr- drawing that extra card if you want to buy a bomb. Or bringing back a really vital uh, um, champion that was just stunned to continue to do some interesting, you know, further combinations with. All right, so the, that resurrect timing combos with different things, and I think the helm and setting up that helm uh, is is really another big one. All right, uh, and of course, and these can both go together. Yeah, they all go together, and you know the um, what's it called? The everlasting candle for the. Uh, Sorry, Ever Burning Candle works really well with the um, Cleric with this combo because you can fish your stunned followers out of the uh, discard to put them back up there and make your opponent trigger the Phoenix Helm again. So uh, this is kind of one of those things of uh, kind of a general combo for for the Cleric. Where I think it's kind of a combo is you you resurrect or your Everlasting Candle those followers out of your discard before you're going to shuffle so you avoid having them in there. But then your opponent also has more little champs that they have to get through, which triggers a draw, which is kind of how it's a combo. Totally, right? yeah. So, and again, that's a great point about uh, cleaning out your discard before that shuffle. That helps you get better economy and buy better stuff. 
And the minor resurrect that you can choose at level 12 with the cleric actually helps you do this. So don't sleep on using it. I, I, I love that lot, minor yeah. resurrect with the uh, cleric just because it helps you set up these combos of the uh, an extra draw from that Phoenix Helm at the beginning of the game is huge and it clean, clears out your next shuffle. So yeah, that's one big set of combos okay. for the cleric. Let's go to a fighter, Tim. Well, the five... The five to six minute paces off because that was like three just by the cleric. So fighter doesn't have a whole lot of combos built in. Um, I guess the biggest thing is you have your throwing axe and how you get the seven total damage to get your throwing axe. That's basically, uh, you know, I can if I have the shoulder pauldrons and I spend the two gold to shoulder crush, then with the axe, I got my seven damage and I'm drawing. Uh, the other kind of combo is if you have a helm build for a fighter. And so, um, so especially if you have like the whirling blow build. So that's kind of a combo there because your opponent doesn't want to get all those guards because you have an easy way to take a bunch of guards out and get a bunch of bonus damage out of them. And then you get the guards, which give you extra damage like that's that it's not really like a, a combo like oh i'm going to combo all these cards together but the way you figure out that build it kind of combos together yeah that's good i think the only other one i can think for fighter is the sharpening stone which combos with other weapons so you want to choose right. a lot of weapons and then you get extra damage from the sharpening stone i think yeah. that's if, if that yeah that's true that's kind of the other combo if you get that sharpening stone you want to get the hand scythe instead yep. of the shield yeah. bearer most of the Pretty much yeah. always. I think those are kind of the general ones. Um, uh, the Ranger has a lot of kind of combos in the fact that um, with that uh, unending quiver, you can pull those arrows back. And with like the snapshot, quick shot, some of those uh, up, uh, ability upgrades, you can pull arrows back and draw cards. And you can track to set up those draws so you can set up all kinds of combos with the ranger it's it and the wizard are really two of the biggest like i can always set up combos with this chains um, but draw so, chains especially yeah yeah draw chains and then like by tracking i can stack my deck and make sure that hey if i have rayla and a death cultist i can make sure those go together more often and actually do combo to get those bonus faction yeah. abilities. And you can and also really customize. Or your Varric or whatever. You can uh, customize is the best word. You can really, uh, you know, precisely pinpoint the timing of your reshuffles, which is really good. You can figure out what you want to keep yeah. out of the reshuffle, what you want to put in there, which is awesome. Yeah, that's another combo. Right. The other combo for the Ranger is the, um, I guess there's two. The uh, activating the hunter's cloak so getting five damage which will help you heal which is huge or give you extra economy if you need mm -hmm. it or just playing an arrow with the uh the bracers gives you two damage so that i guess those are two other smaller combos uh, although i'd say the cloak is a pretty big one mm -hmm. if you want to do well with the ranger yeah all right uh good yeah let's keep going uh jump into thief uh the the thief the big the big thief combo is uh shadow mask and three cost cards and especially like the smooth heist that so we talked about it in the playing with principal part, but you buy those three cost cards with smooth heist, get them to hand turn one, turn three, whatever turn it is for you, your first couple of turns, then they go in your discard and then you shadow mask them to the top of your deck and you're drawing them with the draw cards you have and you're getting to play them 
two or three times a shuffle. Like that can be oh, yeah. huge. That's a that's talk about value yeah. out of cards. Like that's insane. That's really the big combo. The other kind of stuff is I I guess with the boots is you can you can combo how uh uh control how stuff comes into the market and and kinda yeah, that's control. I'm yeah, not it, it's controlling. It's yeah, it it's doesn't really, really but it's in. It, it's hard to talk about because there's literally nothing else like it in the game. The thief is the only character who can do this right, right now, so it kind of. But yeah, but. But you can kind of combo badly for your opponent by controlling what goes into the exactly. market. Exactly. Your, so you're you're so. setting up by choosing what is going to be on top of the market deck. You're going to set up what slides in next. When, once they buy something so you can actually yeah. set up something bad or something they don't want there to keep kind of a stale market row which is kind of a combo i think yeah sure right. um yeah i think those are the main ones uh also of course don't forget comboing uh wild discards with your skill i mean if you can stack yeah. discards that's yeah. a huge kind of comp quote unquote combo the more discard you have the yeah. better the that's a good combination are. to try to aim for with the thief uh Last but not least, we have the wizard. Wizard is, I, I was going to say the king of combos, but that might not be true. The wizard loves combos, all right? Uh, I'll just talk about some of the different ways to do it. Okay, of course, channel. Using channel to scry, set up combos, and or choose when to reshuffle is huge. Using the runic robes is another great great way to set up combos save something in your robes that you know you can use next turn to faction or to trigger something right it's uh, robes are great they can also even help you combo your economy or save economy to buy something big next turn uh the magic mirror is a great one because you can especially if you're using a wizard with um, the pure or soul channel where you can scry set things up so you know your next card is going to be in action and then play your magic mirror and draw two cards super awesome combo uh, it's a great, the mirror is really great. Once the wizard gets their engine up and running a little bit, you, it helps you really um, fly fly mm -hmm. off the the uh, the charts with your damage output sometimes. Yeah. So that's a cool one. Um, the wand, as I mentioned earlier, also combos with actions to give extra damage, which can really add up to if you, if you uh, kind of time things right and, and mm -hmm. set it up. So there's lots of cool combos there. Uh, I think those are the main ones for wizard, right? Even even the gloves with actions. Oh yeah, that's a totally. Yeah, together, sorry, I didn't. So. I just didn't put that down. In fact, yeah. all of the wizard upgrades, aside from the economy ones, are combos. The amulet, which you can choose, yeah. uh, level, gosh, is it seven? It's either five or seven. I'm, I apologize. The seven. silver skull amulet uh, gives you I two, think. but you can also sacrifice yeah, it seven. to draw, which is so good, yeah. uh, especially early game. Uh, if you're learning the wizard, or if you're like an intermediate player kind of exploring the wizard, the Silver Skull Amulet might not seem like a super um, tantalizing choice for the build, but so it's good. really kind of unlocks a lot of play for it. All right, Not to say the wand is bad, it has uses in builds, but the amulet is really unlocks a lot of wizard stuff. So, so just as a side note, um, you say the wizard being the king of combos. I'm, I'm imagining... A wizard hanging out in Seven Eleven buying combos Ooh. and just like chilling okay. all day, and that's some awesome imagery in my head. So we'll end the segment with that. How about that? 
All right. And everybody, you know, once you hear that music, we are creeping towards the end of another action-filled show. We're going a little bit long, but you know what? What the hell? It's episode 10, and we're, and we're on our game tonight. Let's wrap things up with the community roundup for this week's episode. Again, we are recording this on July 14th. Uh, the year is 2022. So by the time you hear this, uh, some information might be outdated. All right, let's just do a quick kind of roll call of everything that's happening right now. First, we'll start out with the Tavern Brawl. Uh, by the time you hear this, the draft will have completed for the Tavern Brawl. Uh, I think it will be. Yeah, it will be completed. So you will actually be... The day before Yeah, you'll actually yep. be able to uh, check the Tavern Brawl um, scoreboard probably by then, or at least like the draft summary to see the teams that have been made. Uh, also, of course, you will be able to, um, if you missed the live draft, which is going to be on Tim's uh, stream channel, Twitch TV backslash Agent C13. Link will also be in the show notes. If you missed that live draft, you can watch it on demand later. Uh, we are actually going to give some awards for season two and have uh, a few fun moments before the actual draft. So check it out if you're interested. Uh, and I think that's going to start. Uh, there's going to be a week or so to get uh, characters up to level three, and then it'll uh -huh. start a week after that, probably towards the end of July, maybe even early August. Who knows? Okay, uh, up next, let's talk a little bit about um, Highlander, Tim, just because it's next on the list here. Uh, any updates on Highlander? So uh, we're going to start here at the beginning of August. I'm going to make an announcement here probably before the podcast comes out with when everything will start for the uh, fourth event of Highlander for the season. Uh, and that's the level cap. Le is that about beginning of August? Is that level? What, what is the level cap level 12? Oh, sweet. So level it'll 12. be all level 12. Yep. It's all level 12 for this one. So, uh, it nice. should be fun. Definitely. All um, right. Cool. And, and if you don't know about Highlander, it's basically, uh, best of five. So you have to win three matches, but once you win with a, Clash, you can't use that again in that specific match against another opponent. So you have to win with three different clashes. You move on, and it kind of starts over. Yeah. And it's a, a single elimination, best of five. Tons of fun. Uh, so. And it forces you to mm -hmm. kind of be knowledgeable of all the different classes. Right. All right. Uh, next, I will talk about uh, King of the Castle, Kings of the Castles. Uh, now we have two castles. Uh, the big news for, since last episode was that King Jing Balinkpa has been dethroned. I lost my uh, first defense match to the challenger Indalus, who uh, defeated, uh, I think, two wizards and a thief I threw at him. Uh, it was kind of a pathetic defense. I apologize for that. But congratulations to the new king who is enjoying his time at the throne. He has actually had uh, two successful defenses since then, or maybe... Or anyways, he's at two now. I'm not sure if I counted the one he did beat me or not. Uh, I don't think that counts, but okay. he's at two now. Uh, and currently he's facing Goober's Joint or Goober uh, in Castle A. Over in Castle B, we have other sad news from um, mm. the perspective of Sparks and Recreation. Agent C-13 faced off against Noodle Tulpe in the in inaugural bout for control of Castle B. Tim, what happened in that match? Um, so I won the first game in our match 
and which was a ranger mirror and stuff just went my way and i won that one and then uh noodle just rolled me for the other three games <laughs> is kind of how it happened um they were some close games though and they were really good um and noodle plays very very well and so uh he's gonna be a tough one to knock out of there so yeah very proficient yeah. in all the classes. He will be a tough king to defend. Yes. Congratulations to King Noodle Tupe. He is facing off against Glitterfart this week. Uh, by the way, at waiting at the castle Portcullises, or Portcullis, what's the plural for Portcullis? Uh, that castle- sounds like E. coli. Okay, we'll say Portcullises. Uh, or at the respective Portcullis for each castle, <laughs> we have uh, SGK Carol. At Castle B, uh, she will face the winner of Glitterfart versus Noodle Tope. And at Castle A, we have Daily 23, who is busy sharpening his swords, waiting for the result at Castle A. All right. So, uh, again, if you want to uh, join any of these events, we'll have links for everything in the show notes. Uh, King of the Castle is a constantly running event in the background. Join the queue when it's your turn to um, face one of the kings. You'll be notified and step up to the plate and and face off against him. It's a lot of fun. Sign up. Everyone is welcome. Um, we encourage your participation. Uh, next behind that is survivor. And uh, I know that the organizer, Alex DeCatz is meow. Uh, Rogers was on vacation <laughs> in Portugal uh, recently. I think he's returned. He's probably, um, I think he said he was working off all the, sh- all of the, uh, I was going to say the, the schnitzel that drink. he ate, but I, I mixed up. Sam went to Vienna and S- Sam was eating schnitzel. Um, Alex was in Portugal and he was <laughs> drinking wine. All right. So he has got, he's got to work off some of that wine until he works out that wine. Survivor won't be starting, but I think the target date was like July 15th or so. So actually by the time you hear this, it, so might, it should be, it should be starting up soon or, but there I was, I'll make an announcement. Yeah. A, a, a new update also just dropped today. So I think some people might be waiting to, just to make sure there's no bugs before restarting again. So there might be one or two days behind mm-hmm. schedule. Anyways, Survivor is starting up soon. That's another great event where uh, players lose their characters. At, if you lose a, a game with your character, they're eliminated. And the, it's kind of the last person standing wins the event. So that should be a lot yep. of fun as well to see how that works out. Okay, wow. Look at this growing list of community events. I love it. Up next is Predator. This is run by Daily23. Uh, our amigo down the under Aus- the Aussie, the, the Aussie amigo. Uh, he came up with this great idea. Uh, he, I know he worked with bird law a little bit. I've helped as well. Tim made up the, um, mm-hmm. spreadsheet for it. It's a really mm-hmm. co- cool collaborative idea behind uh, daily 23's kind of vision and leadership. He's the one organizing it. It's about to start up today. Predator versus prey. Who's your predator? Who's your prey? Uh, you're going to be fighting off against different people, trying to whittle down their teams, earn trophies over 10 rounds, and uh, go home with the event. You're also allowed to use the choppa. Get to the choppa! One time throughout the event to save one of your fallen heroes. All right, so it's a very heavily uh, themed predator-based event. Again, we will list the uh, links for all this stuff so you can check it out. This one's a lot of fun as well. All right, uh... Next, Tim, I'm going to hand it over to you to talk a little bit about the Thandar Combat League, which is signing up right now. Yes, so the Thandar Combat League is a new league event for Hero Realms, and it's based off of the Board Game Geek uh, Star Realms League, where 
there are different divisions and tiers um, and how you perform in the season. You can move up and down those tiers to the next higher one or get demoted down to the next lower one, depending on how you place in that tier over the season or, or that division over the season. So right now, I think we were, we were getting close to six times. Uh, we were getting in the mid-40s, maybe. So almost have enough for like one division at each tier. And then the lower tiers will start to have another division in them until we get enough people. We're going to start this in mid-August. Uh, get plenty of time to sign up. So hopefully we can uh, keep those signups going and get a bunch of people in this one. It's a, uh, it's not super fast paced, but it's, it's, it's a good consistent pace. Uh, not a ton of overwhelming games, like six games a week is what you would play for it on average. Um, and then you have kind of a week at the end to catch up and then there'll be a little tournament thingy every season. And then we start the next season and just keep that going. So uh, I'm really excited about this one. So hopefully uh, everybody that plays in it has fun and has a good time with it. All right. Nice. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be the start of a really fun tradition, I think, amongst the Hero Realms community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last but not least, let's talk a little bit about the HRPC, the Hero Realms Premier League, which is going on right now. Um, the Wizard event. Uh, actually, I think has just opened up for um, the um, the group stage has finished, and now the uh, single elimination portion I think actually just was posted today, or it's about to start up soon. Uh, so that is progressing along well. Um, I'm just going to pull these uh, individual events up as we talk. Next is the uh, fighter um, event, which is group stage has mostly finished, but I think uh, now they're still waiting on a few. Yeah. There's still, still a few, a I think it looks that. like uh, group D still has a few people who need to finish up their matches. By the time you hear this, I'm sure though, that the fighters event will also be in the signal elimination stage. Uh, next is the cleric. Uh, and I think the cleric actually finished or it's almost finished. Um, DeCatz's Meow faced off against Darklighter in the finals, and DeCatz's Meow emerged victorious. He has won the Cleric's event. Congratulations to him. Uh, I think we have uh, Rucksack versus Dusto in the third place match, which is ongoing now. So good luck to both of those guys there. Yeah, I'll take this one since you talked a bunch. Uh, the Thief is its past the group stage. It's into the single elimination. And in fact, that's getting close. Um, I, there's a couple of matches that uh, from the second round of the uh, single elimination. Still, there were only two matches in the first round, and I played in one of those, and now I'm playing to Cat. And with the update, we're only one of our games done so far. So, But that round should end up, and then there should only be a few more games. Yep, so that should good. be finishing and, up here. Uh, the Rangers is the only other one, and I think we actually announced that last time. But you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to once again proclaim my victory as the first place ranger in the event now i i got lucky at several times throughout the event i did win it but L- lady luck was on my side logan stewart came in second place uh congrats to him uh raka rounded out third place um he defeated daily 23 well in the third place match who also had a really good uh, finish yeah. there as well so congrats to everybody there 
Okay, I think that wraps up everything. I love it. The community roundup gets longer and longer every time we do this because you know we're expanding with lots of community events. Again, once it, once again, I just want to reiterate: if it sounds interesting and fun to you, join up. Players of all uh, different experience and skill levels join it. The main goal is to have fun. Uh, we communicate and discuss things with each other. It's not all cutthroat and uh, all about winning. We really enjoy it. Sign up if it sounds interesting. All the links will be in the show notes. All right. Well, that will end episode 10 here for uh, Sparks and Recreation. Thanks, everybody that has been listening. Uh, and I, we have seen a big influx of new listeners since uh, the app went to retail and the banner went up in the in the app and everything. And so uh, I'm glad everybody's starting to listen in to the podcast and hopefully you're really enjoying it and hopefully you find some good tips that we talked about over the various segments here and if any of you uh newer listeners uh have any comments or anything you want to let us know just uh share it with us either through the contact email or on discord is probably the best way to get a hold of us and uh share some thoughts and and discussion and uh it's been good to see the new people come in on discord and chat with all of them and everything. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks everybody. As Tim said, it's been a real exciting time to see kind of the growth of not only the game, but the community around the game. And we are just honored and excited to be a part of it. So thanks everybody who's joining along for the ride. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, give us a five-star review, even maybe write a quick review. Tell us how awesome. We are. If we aren't awesome, you know what? Don't hold back. Tell us. And we'll try to make it better as well. Um, tell your friends about us. Uh, subscribe to us on your uh, podcast platform, whatever it is you're using. If you enjoy the uh, podcast and the use of Hero Helper as well, um, maybe you can think about throwing us a, a little bit of money to help us recoup our costs, which are adding up for all of this stuff. Even like one or two bucks an episode. Uh, really helps us to keep the uh, show moving and it's appreciated. If you can't, though, we totally understand as well. Uh, any sort of support you give, including just listening and joining in on the community conversations is a more than enough. Thanks from us. So thanks for everybody for doing those things. We hope you enjoyed this jumbo-sized episode 10 of Sparks and Recreation. Uh, have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Stay uh, cool, stay hydrated, and we'll catch you next time on Sparks and Recreation. We made it to the end of the show. Congratulations. You're a nerd. Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms.